go ahead with that video, Eric. I just I know that was a that was our promo video for one voice that we did have and so I wanted y'all to see that again because we're going to finish up talking about prayer this morning. You know, I ended up going back through all my sermons I've been preaching over the last 6 years and I re- realized I've preached a lot on prayer. So I guess that God just con- continues to to speak that to me, but we had a great turnout for one voice. And if you didn't get to make it, I encourage you the next one's going to be in November, and I think it's at Fellowship, I'm Fellowship Bible, I'm pretty sure. We're trying to get them to come here in February, but that might not work out, but we're, we're trying. Hopefully they can come here, and so what One Voice is, is you have a, 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 a large group of churches that come together to uh, pray, and we had over 20, 20 pastors that got together at one voice to pray and uh, the, 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 the place it was South City Church and they try to they try to have it at different churches the only we may have a logistical issue with our sound sound equipment and everything since we're mobile and so we're talking to them trying to get it worked out so hopefully we can but we definitely are having we're going to be ministering to the pastors in September I have to look at the date but it's going to be on a Thursday here it's a luncheon that we have here at, uh, that we're going to be uh, doing that for all the local pastors, and we'll have over 20, 20 ministers at that. And RC and Mike, I'll get you all those dates because if y'all can make it, I'd love for y'all to come to that. But uh, I'll get you all those dates when we get closer. Well, if you've never been to this church before, my name's Adam, and I'm the pastor of the church, and our kids just went to the back. And we, we have a great kids program. We just need more kids. So if you know people who have children, tell them to come. If they don't like going to church, say, hey, your kids will like to come to church. And in, in respect, I think the Holy Spirit will then speak to their life. Ask R.C. sometime how he got into church, and you'll find out it was because of his five-year-old son that got him there. And it's a great, great story. So get the kids. Some of you may have a child that's, that lives next to you. That's fine. Bring them and... Uh, ask the parent, hey, you know, if you're friends with them, say, hey, can, can I take your child to church? And you just never know what will happen in that child's life. I remember growing up, now I grew up in church. I tell everybody, the Sunday after I was born, I was in church, I was dedicated. That, that Sunday, my mom didn't want to wait. And we had, <clears throat> we always was in church, but we had a farm, and, and so we worked a lot. I mean, you know, we didn't watch TV. We didn't hardly know what the TV was until I was about 12. You know, we just didn't watch TV much. And Granny Jo, one of our really, really close friends, we called her Granny, because that's what she was to us, she would come and she'd pick me and my brother up because we might have youth or other things going on before church, and Mom and Dad couldn't, you know, get away immediately. And so she would come and she would stop every time that she was coming through. She would stop to make sure, did we need a ride or did we not? Now, sometimes she'd stop at the River Bridge because I just got off the tractor and she'd pick me up down there. She knew, you know... I might go the road and stick my thumb out when she was driving by. 
So you never know what kind of effect that you can have on a young person or on a child in, in, in those, those, those uh, young days of their life and how God can move in their lives and just really minister to them. And it's sad to see today is that we have a lot of churches that have kids programs that just don't do a lot of work of getting those kids that don't have parents that already come. And a lot of that has to do with you, you know, because we don't have a big bus ministry or all that, but you, those kids that live close to you, you never know when those parents will say, hey, sure, yeah, I'll take my kid this morning. Uh, they, may, they may see it as a time just to relax and not have children in the house, but I'll tell you, I see it as a time that God can minister to those kids. And if they're in this worship service, if they're back there, or it may just be around you adults, I, I recall I talked about this a couple of weeks ago, that when we had our youth service on Saturday nights, we had kids whose parents had not come to church, the majority of them, close to 50 kids would come and worship, and they said that's what they lived for every week, was that time, because that made it, helped them make it through the rest of the week. So never discount what you can do for God with, in, in that respect. Well, we're talking about a house of prayer, and this morning I specifically titled my message, Why is the Church Powerless? Why is the church powerless? Because we've been talking about prayer for a couple weeks. Last week was a little bit, the Holy Spirit moved in a little bit different way. And thankfully, he let me bring this message to you this week. But why is the church powerless? So Isaiah 56, 7 is the scripture that we've been dealing with. And it says, tell us, it tells us that God's house shall be a house of prayer for all nations. And I want us, I haven't talked about this, I want us to focus on that just a second. You see, he said he would be a house of prayer for all nations. It didn't say that it would be a house of prayer for all white people. It would be a house of prayer for all black people. Or, you know, let's go down the road. It will be a house of prayer for all nations. The sad thing is, throughout history, we have segregated ourselves in church. The one place we shouldn't segregate ourselves, we've done it in that one place. Church should have always, should always be a place that no matter what nationality you are, that you can come together and with the love of Christ, right? If we love people, we've went over 1 Corinthians 13 before, with that love, God can just do things in people's life and we'll have patience and, and we won't have bad feelings toward our brother and our sister, no matter what nationality they are. So every nationality and in I know that we, we believe that here, but I want to just focus and focus our minds to think, hey, who can we talk to? Who can we invite? Who can participate in worship with us? Anybody can, because this is supposed to be a house of prayer for all nations, a place where everybody can come and lay down their burdens, where everybody can come and humbly kneel themselves before God and see God move in their life and meeting their needs. It's just an opportunity when we have prayer up here and, and we have our prayer team come up here and, and prayer sometimes at the end of the service. It's an opportunity for you to come and receive and be prayed for. You know, there's, you, you don't have to give anybody any money. I, I'm, I'm sick and tired of preachers who are like, send me your money and, and we're going to pray over this and send this and God's going to bless you over this. Let me tell you something. You don't have to pay God anything. God will do it for you because he loves you. He'll take care of you. He's got a pl plan and a purpose for your life. He's going to take care of that. And this teaching that's out there that, boy, if I, if I send $39, then, 
that there's a special $39 blessing going on. Let me tell you something. There's a blessing going on because if you have the opportunity to be saved, if you have the opportunity to receive Jesus into your life, that alone is a blessing. That alone is a blessing. I, I, I think it's just amazing when these pastors focus on their finances and focus on giving because this is going to happen. And then I look back through Paul and we're at Acts. And, and the last thing that we just got finished at Acts this last Wednesday night, we're reading about is where he is in prison. It doesn't say that he was uh, taking up a collection somewhere trying to get money or everything. As a matter of fact, he was a tent maker. He was doing things to make, to make money so that he wasn't a burden on the church. He didn't mind that people got paid to, to minister, but he didn't want to be a burden. That's the way he wanted to take care of things. That's the way that God used him. But we learned that he was, this was only one of many, but he was beaten. He was, he was beaten. He was, he was whipped mercilessly. He was beaten. Today, I, I see so many pastors who, <clears throat> if you beat them, I don't know. I don't think they could, they could handle it. I don't think they're tough enough. They might beat you up, <laughs> but, the, but they can't take that beating themselves. And so we sh- that should not be our focus. The house of God, this, this house of God should be a house that we can corporately, together, Lift up our voices, talking to God. But what has happened? I've talked about this a little bit. But what has happened to the church? It's become a house of entertainment, not a house of prayer. You know, and, and I've seen this. I've seen the, these places, these churches that say they have prayer. And you come in, and, and it looks like prayer, but really, it's just a concert. You know what I'm saying? You come in, and it's got good music going on. And, it, and it, they got good people playing. They're doing these but. Prayer is talking between you and God. It's not a feeling. It's not an emotion. If you think about when Paul and Silas are in the prison and they begin to worship the Lord, do you think they felt good? I mean, they're in this prison. It stunk. I guarantee you it stunk. They had chains on them, chains around their wrists, chains around their ankles. They had been beaten. They had nothing given to them. Nobody came and worked on their their backs or anything like that and, and put any kind of uh, 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 you know, lotions or anything like that, any healing balm on there, they had to be in a lot of pain. But even in their pain, because it's not emotion, it's not a feeling, they began to worship the Lord. And their worship and their prayers up to the Father resulted in not one, but the whole household, the whole household of the jailer was, was saved. And even when they had the opportunity to leave because the doors had been swung wide open, even they had the opportunity to leave now, right? The doors are open. God opened them up. The jailer goes running out. He's going to take his sword, going to kill himself because he thinks everybody's escaped. And Paul goes, oh, hang on, hang on. Nobody's gone. Everybody's still here. Everybody's still here. Don't go anywhere. And in that, in that, this jailer doesn't get in trouble. Instead, he gets saved, and it says his whole household come to salvation. And who knows how many of those prisoners got to hear the word and got saved themselves. Now, today, in today's Christian society, most people would have went, hey, the doors are open, the chains have fallen off, we're gone. We're out of here. We're not hanging around. You know what? That guy deserves to die. He put me in here. Who knows? Maybe he was one of the ones that beat, beat or drug Paul around and Silas around. But today's church... Oh, we can't do that. We can't do that. And when it comes to prayer, 
We struggle if the temperature isn't right, if, if the sound isn't right, if the music isn't being played exactly right. How can we really reach God? How can we go to a church like that? Because we, we, we just, for some reason, we can't get into God because, you know, we've become wimpy Christians. I look at this. When we had one voice, we had over 20 churches there, somewhere close to 25 ministries there. And I think the church seats somewhere between 250 and 300 with the chairs that was out. And we had empty seats. Now, you've got to understand, all those churches combined were not churches of 50 people apiece. All those churches combined, we had a, a, a total attendance that goes to these churches of over 30,000 people. But only less than 1% could find time to show up. Now, I know people got to work. People have had some legitimate excuses not to participate. But it's amazing when I see preachers get up there with nobody from their church and they've got thousands of people there in their churches and nobody's there from their church with them. And I go, what is really being taught? Is prayer, true prayer, true talking between God and man being taught in these churches? R.C. and I were talking right before service started, I'm not, I'm not going to this point that prayer is the end all. But we have to talk to God. A lot of people go, well, I read my Bible. I've known people who read and read and read their Bible, but they never talk to God. How can you understand his word if you don't talk to him? We miss so much of it if we don't have a conversation going on between me and him. But I don't want us to get to the point where, like R.C. and I were talking before service, that all we do is come and pray and we never have the word. And we never have a time of worship. And we never have time of study. When that's the only thing we can, we, we can do is just pray. And, and they, they do this thing now. It's, it's called soaking prayer. Now, I, I, I'm all into getting with God, okay? I'm all for getting in with God. But we need to have the word here with us. And if we pray and we feel the Lord speaking to us or somebody else speaks over our life, it better line up with this right here. If it doesn't line up with this right here, let me tell you something. This ain't wrong. That person's wrong or that thought that came in your mind, that's wrong. This ain't wrong. We might want it to be another way, but this is right, okay? So always back up when you're praying, when you're hearing from God or what you think you're hearing from God. Make sure that it backs up with his word. Make sure that it doesn't contradict what he has to say. Now, why is a church powerless? It's because we don't pray. That's, that's the biggest reason. Prayer is talking between us and God, communicating between us and God. Remember, it's not a feeling. It's not an emotion. So we have, like I said, we have confused prayer because we have these worship experiences or these prayer times, and, and, and it's just this, we feel it. We, we feel God. We feel, listen, God needs to talk to us at times that we don't feel good, that times don't feel right. That's when we should cling to him even tighter. You know, the, the scripture says, Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer, or O Lord, my rock. Well, how can it be acceptable? How can the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable 
in the sight of the Lord if we're not talking with a, one, with a two-way conversation going on between us and them. We have, we have no power in the church. We have no prayer in the church, no true prayer. We would rather have the best musicians, the coolest lighting, the, the most fun video bumpers, and a sermon that has no power and a sermon that never mentions sin. And let me tell you something. I can't convict you. I, you can't convict that person who's not saved. But if you will give them the word, the word along with the Holy Spirit will convict them. We have two people that we're praying for right now, two people who think they're atheists that we're praying for right now. And I'm believing that God's going to break the bondage that is over them, that has confused their minds. And we're going to see them in this church one day. And we're all going to rejoice together because they have given their lives fully, wholly over to the Lord. But how is this going to happen? Is it going to happen by us just having some good music up here? If people are coming for the music, then they're coming for the wrong thing. They need to come because the Holy Spirit has drawn them. The Holy Spirit is going to speak to them. The Holy Spirit. Pastor David Wilkerson is a uh, pastor that he lived into his 80s and died in a car accident. But one of the most, in my opinion, one of the most amazing evangelists, pastor, prophets that we have seen in, in our time. He never pulled a punch. He never was worried about it. He, he was invited to have a dinner with a pastor and his wife. And while he was sitting there, the, the wife leans over to, to her husband and says, so you, you're gonna, you, you need to tell him. So Pastor Wilkerson's sitting there going, oh, great. You need to tell him. He's like, well, it must, he must have been having an affair or something, and now I'm going to have to hear about this. And the pastor said, uh, he says, Pastor David, I have to admit to you that your, your message really touched me tonight, and it's been over a year since I've prayed. And you go, oh, well, it, you know, his church must be struggling, right? It must be just, just struggling. No, he was pastoring a church over 1,200 and growing, but not praying. You see, you can build a church with great marketing techniques. You can build a church with great communication skills. But you can't build a powerful church without God, without prayer. You can't build a powerful church. One, one pastor said, uh, I don't know that he said this from the pulpit, but one pastor, and I'm sure there's been many, says, I'm not going to preach on sin because you know, I'm trying to reach people, so I don't want to offend them. And if I offend them, then they won't come to church. Well, if that, let me ask you something. If that 18 wheeler's barreling down the road and you're standing out there, and I go, hey, you need to get out of the road. And your back's turned to the 18 wheeler, and you're like, what? You need to get out of the road. I don't think you're, you might not be in a very big hurry. You might, you're gonna be like, what? Do you see anything that's making you wanna get out of the road? And then we don't want to preach about sin, and then we want people to, leave, to, to change their lives. We want them to go to God. But we won't preach about sin. If they don't know that it's sin, then how in the world are they going to change? If they don't know what God has spoken, then what's going to make them change? Because you, you think that you're a good orator? Because you shook their hand? Because you invited them to church and they came to church one day? 
There was a sermon that was preached called Meeting the People in Hell. And, and when we, if we were to go to hell, there would be people that you would run into that you'd go, how did you get here? How did you? Well, you was at church every weekend and you still ended up here. What, what in the world? And part of that is the problem with the church when the church is not willing to preach sin. And the pastor is not going to be willing to preach sin if he's not talking to God. And let me tell you something. If he's one-on-one conversation with God and he's not preaching about sin and he's not preaching about the things in your life that are wrong, and I'm not talking to you specifically, I'm just talking about what this word says, then guess what? If he's not talking to God about it, then he's not going to care if he preaches about that or not. He's going to focus on all the other things. And I love books, and we've had this conversation in Bible study. I love, I love to read books. But, you know, sometimes books get us tripped up because we read the book. Like I've told you in church planning, there's a ton of them out there. You read it, and you start to follow what they say because I'm a practical guy. I like to put two and two together. It gets four, you know, and, and you do that. And then you, all of a sudden you start going, you start leaving God over here because you think, okay, I've got this, I've got that, and the other. And God's going, maybe I don't want to do it that way. Maybe it worked great for this other church, but maybe I really don't want to do it that way. But when we, start, when we start focusing on other things than God, then we lose the power. When we're not ready to pray, we lose the power that we need. You know, this pastor, when he didn't pray, he lost power. He lost the power to be convicted himself of sin. He lost the power to bring the Holy Spirit into his services and see people convicted and their lives changed. But he also... And we do this too. When we don't pray, we open our life up to be tricked and enticed by the devil. We open our life up to be tricked and enticed by the devil. It's just it. I said this the other day. A friend of mine went to Washington, D.C., and and she said, man, this place is crazy. This is so unlike anything I've ever seen. I says, do you realize something that all politicians, I should say all, but most politicians do? This is not political, okay? They go to Washington, D.C., and a lot of them have said the right things. And you look at their life before they go to Washington, D.C., they were pretty clean-cut people. And they get there, and then all of a sudden, within a year or two, you're like, that's not the same person that I I knew. Why is that? They're hanging out with, with a lot of people that are hanging out with the devil up there. And if they're not careful, and if they're not in tune with God, those things come in, and they can get tricked, and they can get deceived. We can do the same thing. We can get tricked and we can get deceived. How many people go to a football game, an NFL football game today? About 70,000 on average probably go to an NFL football game. It may be going down with with all the controversy that the NFL has had. But around 70,000. So you can fill a stadium up, right? How much of God is in that stadium? How much do they talk about God? Zero. As a matter of fact, they're probably making fun of God most of the time. I know we've got a lot of them that are making fun of God. And if you have, if you have a position, and we've seen that with Tim Tebow, the, the uh, star college quarterback who went to the NFL, we, we saw that he came under a lot of scrutiny, and maybe if you want to call it persecution, because of his faith, because of what he believed. Because they didn't want to hear about this kind of stuff. But you know what? They could still fill it up. We could fill the church up without God, 
but we will not have any power, none at all. That event has no godly power, none whatsoever. And the building with the church name, we could buy this building, we could get a million and a half dollars and buy this building, we could pay the mortgage on it, we could pay the light bill, we could put a name out there, we could put unlimited church and we could all high five each other and say, look at this, isn't this awesome? But without God, it's just another building. It's nothing else. It's amazing that today we see TV, Facebook, YouTube. You can get as much preaching as you want to. You can find a preacher somewhere. But even though we see all this, we see church buildings overflowing with people, but we see America deep diving into sin. Just over the, a couple of weeks ago, one, one of the shows that my family liked to watch is called America's Got Talent. And it's a, it's a show that, that shows off different people's talents. You know, some people can, can sing really good or they can dance really good or, you know, they're great magicians. Whatever you want, whatever. It's, it's really a really cool show. But just a couple of weeks ago in their third, uh, it's the, the second part of the series. So they got their third show. It's called Judge Cuts. And they bring in a star, to, a star to be a judge, to be a special judge for that occasion. So they have four judges. This is the fifth judge. They come in, they help out. And here they brought this person in, and it was a transgender person. And the crowd's going wild and clapping and screaming. And the, ju- the other judges are fawning all over this guy that's dressed up to look like a woman, act like a woman. And the more I kind of watched it, I was curious, what in the world? Why is this person out there? Who is this person? And evidently they're a star on, a, on another show too. But I'm sitting there going, this is supposed to be a family-oriented show. And this person exuded, thank goodness my kids weren't home because we, we, they weren't going to watch it. But this person exuded sin. They were flaunting their sin out in front of everybody. And I go, you know what? There are Christian families probably all over the, this great nation that are sitting down with their, their children and their youth watching this and going, eh, whatever, it's not a big deal. Do you realize that only 20 years ago this would have been totally out of place? And for the 6,000 years before that it would have been out of place. And we have, con- we have changed so much just in 20 years. I was talking to somebody the other day who's, who's 12 years younger than me, and I said, this was not a deal. And, he, and you know what he said to me? He says, this has been natural for me. And he, he's in his 20s. He, this is what, by the time he was a teenager, it was nothing for someone to come out and be gay, be a homosexual, and now transgender or Whatever, I mean, I don't know. There's got so many names for them today. But we got all of this. We've, we've got this going on. And why is this going on in, in the church? Or the, the nation is just getting worse and worse in sin. It's because the church is not powerful. If the church was powerful, then these things would stop. And it's not because, and, and I love focus on the family. I love the American Family Association. I support these groups, and I've listened to them all the time. But no matter how hard we go out and we try to stop it individually or as a corporate, corporate body, 
no matter how hard, no matter how many phone calls we make to our senators, without God, it's really not going to change. And the only way that we're going to have that happen is through prayer. Look, James 5, 13 through 18. Let's read that real quick. James 5, 13 through 18 says, Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing songs. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church. Let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the sick. The Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Confess your sins or trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The affected, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its fruit. Now, if you don't know the story of Elijah here, Elijah had prayed that it would not rain. Now, this is not like, hey, Lord, don't let it rain, and then for, you know, the summer it didn't rain. For, for three years it did not rain. The ground had just dried up. But then it came time he had to pray again for it to rain. And it did come, but it didn't happen all at once. He had to pray and pray. He had to really get out to God, and then God brought the rain. So, what is James trying to tell us here? He's telling us a story. What is he telling us here? Well, let me sum it up. It's easy. It's one word. Pray. Pray. That's what he's saying. Notice he didn't say to go find you some good music. You know, I, man, you know, my favorite band came out with another great worship album. That's just amazing. That's just awesome. You know, I listen to it all the time. I feel so good when I listen to it. He didn't say that. He didn't say... Turn on YouTube and find the greatest preacher who's going to make you feel good. It's going to bless you, you know. No. Instead, he said, if anyone is in trouble, what are they supposed to do? They're supposed to pray. If anyone is sick, what do they need to do? They need to pray. And in, in this point, he says, hey, bring some other people. Bring, bring your spiritual leaders of your church together to pray for you so that you'll be healed. Pray. So are we getting the picture here? He then tells us, verse 16 the power of the church lies in what? It says the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man slash woman. All right, women, you, you're included here. The righteous man avails much. So what does avails mean? When we look at the original text, when, when the word avails here, the definition is a valid, competent, mighty power with force that has meaning. When you pray... It's going to come, when you, when you reach God, what you're praying about, what happens, the force, the power behind it has meaning because God's behind it. He's taking care of this. Let's talk about a praying man. There's a great, there's a lot of great examples in the Bible. Well, one of the greatest is Daniel. Daniel's a praying man. You probably heard the story of Daniel in the lion's den, right? And Daniel got, he, he, he went out and and he prayed three times a day. You know, we don't even have time to pray once a day. And, then, and you go, well, Daniel, you know, he was 80 years old. He must not have much to do. No, 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 no. No, Daniel was on, uh, it was his fourth king. Right? I think it was his fourth king. He's on his fourth king, and he, he's in the government. He's busy. He, he, he's as busy as anybody else is going to be. 
And he's in the government. He's doing things. But he's taking time. He's finding time. Three times a day to pray. And then his, his co-employees, the other people that worked with him, they were really aggravated with him. I mean, you know, Daniel was a good guy. And, and he was blessed. And he had done some things and uh, had, had answered some stuff for the king. The king had had this thing. He said, had this dream, couldn't figure out what the dream was and was looking for everybody to, to find out. And it was, Daniel was the one able to interpret this. So there was a lot of people who were very jealous of Daniel. So they wanted to find a way to get him to stop praying. So finally they said, here, king, here's what we, we want you to do. Because you've got to understand in this, this, this area that they were in, they allowed every religion to have their own gods because they didn't want anybody to get upset. So they're like, fine, you can have as many gods as you want. You can bring your gods in. We don't really care. So, th so this was very unusual, but they found a way. They says, King, listen, let's have a time period. And during this time period, only you can be prayed to. Only you can be prayed to. And so Daniel, instead of stopping and going, you know, 30 days or so, you know, I've been praying a lot. I'll, I'll just take a break. I'm, I'm good. No, no. And it, did he go hide? He didn't go hide. No, he just continued to do what he was going to do. And he, he prayed three times a day. Well, it got back to the king, and the king didn't really want to do this, but he's like, hey, you know, here, here's a seal. Here's what it's supposed to do. So they throw him into the lion's den. Now, you've got to understand the lion's den. The lion's den, you were, you, you were just thrown down to this 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 hole that held these lines that they really couldn't get out. These things are starving. These, these animals are starving. Throws them down in there and, you know, you get eaten. That's, that's just life, you know. They're hungry. They're going to eat you. But the next morning, the king comes out there and says, Daniel, are you still alive? <laughs> are you still down there? And he goes, yeah, yeah, my, my God took care of it. The king knew this was going to happen and he would hoped it was going to happen. But what happened? Because the Effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails. It has much meaning. That didn't just have meaning just for Daniel just to stay alive at 80 years old. He could have died. He could have went to heaven. He was okay with that. But think about the, the God of the universe, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of the universe has now. All these other gods have no power. But again, he is able to show I am God. Because one man says, you know what? I'm not going to stop praying. I'm not going to stop praying. So if righteous people in the church will pray fervently, then the church will have power. I didn't say the church will have a lot of people. I said the church will have power. This idea that we have to have a lot of people to have power, yeah, you might need a lot of people in the United States Army to have power, but with God, you only need a little bit. And when you pray and you seek God like Gideon did, Gideon pr prayed and sought God, and before you know it, God took his big army and took it down to 300 people and then defeated this huge army without them ever pulling a sword. Why? Because he was speaking. Him and God were speaking to each other and he was listening. You know, you can have more power if you listen to God than if you go, you know what? No, I, I've, got, I've got to have 10,000. You know, when we started this church, I've told something, when we started this church, had another pastor who said, 
pretty much said, why don't you come and work with me? Because I was looking for funding, you know, people to help us out with funds. He says, why don't you come work with me for a year? Because look at my church and how it's growing. I took the church from 100. Now we're running 400. And, 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 and we're just, we're just ki- continuing to go on because it's going to be hard. Why don't you come work for me and see how it's really done? He says, what, what do you think about that? And I just looked at him and I says, God called me to start this church. But a lot of times, what do we do? We go, oh, that does look good. That does look a lot better. But what if God's saying, I know that looks better, but this is what I really need you to do over here. God will take care of this. It might not be the way we think it needs to be taken care of, but God will take care of it if we'll do it his way. But we're not going to know that if we're not praying, if we're not having a conversation between us and him. That's why prayer is is so important and that's why the church has no power and the reason we need to have power is so that people can know who Christ is another thing that we see a lot maybe on the TV or other things we hear a lot about miracles healings and these kind of things There's nothing wrong with that. I believe that God is still working. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's working today. It's for today. It's for us today. But you want to know why miracles happen? You want to know why healings happen? It ain't for you. And I know that sounds crazy. It really ain't for you. It's so that other people will hear about what God has done. And if he heals you from some disease, you should be shouting from the rooftops. Look at what the Lord Jesus has done in my life and because I've served him because I sought him out and because other people were praying for me here's what's going on I had cancer I had this I had that or the other it's not so that the pastor can raise more money for the church it's not so that you have the coolest story to tell everybody else just for the fun of it it's so that people will hear about Jesus that is why we have it the church has to have the power The church has to have the power so that people can come to the saving grace that is in Jesus. Just because a church, like I said, is big, just because the pastor can preach well or is popular doesn't give it any power. I've said this. I'll say it right here from this pulpit. If I've never said it from here, I'll say it today. I'm on record. It's being recorded. There are churches that you're going to have 95% of those people go to hell because it's all about marketing. It's all about some scheme that they're putting on, and it's not about Christ. You go, well, that's very judgmental. I'm not saying what churches it is. I'm just telling you because I've talked to some people from some different churches, and when the whole congregation thinks the way they do and they're not thinking scripturally, there's an issue. There's an issue. Praise God. I visited a church in central Arkansas. And they said this right here. They said, they got up at the first of the service and they said, Today is amazing because we continue our series. And it was a series where they used movies. Secular, just movies. And this is what came out of this person's mouth. It says, We are so excited because more people come to Christ during our summer movie series than any other time during the year. 
I thought, that's crazy because I sat through that service and I didn't hardly hear one mention of God in that service. And I definitely didn't hear it out of the movie. The scripture says, if I be lifted up, Jesus, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men. It didn't say if you watch a very inspiring movie. It's this right here. It's this word that gets people saved. Not a movie. Not a movie. But the pastor of the church would get up and say that to his congregation. This is why this is so great. If a secular, this is the thing, if the secular Hollywood movie is what's bringing people to Christ, then I want to know what are you preaching the other 95% of the year? Something's not being preached. You may have heard the term seeker-friendly church. Now, seeker-friendly church, the term really means that they go out, they'll do, they'll do their, their surveys to find out, do you like an organ in the church, or do you want a banjo in the church, or do you want electric guitars? How many kids, how, you know, you have young kids, old kids, you, should we, would it be better to focus on youth or focus on kids? Or maybe, and I love the cowboy churches, don't, so I'm not down in the cowboy churches, but maybe, uh, maybe we should have you know, this, this kind of church over here, and then we're going to, everything is all done through a survey, surveying and finding out what everybody thinks. Well, I want to be a seeker-friendly church, but it's going to be different. Look what James, we're going to finish up James 5 here, 19 through 20. Brethren, if any among you wanders from the truth and someone turns him back, let him know that he who turns a sinner from the error of his way will save a soul from death and cover a multitude of sins. I want to be a seeker-friendly church. A church where people are seeking out truth and they find it at unlimited. That's what I want. That's what the term seeker-friendly should be. People who are looking for something to change their life, for a change in their life, not, not a feel-good, but a true, deep-down heart change in their life. Let me tell you something, somebody who's going through sin, somebody who is addicted to drugs, addicted to alcohol, someone who is just addicted to work and trying to make ends meet, they need something, they need the hope that is in Jesus. And this church should be a place where when they're seeking that out, that they can find Jesus. They can find the hope that they need. That's got to be the cry of our church. The, the cry of unlimited church is, God, let us reach the lost. Let us reach those who are hurting. But there's only one way we're going to do that. Pray, pray, pray. Because as much logic as we have and as much word as we know without the power of the Holy Spirit working through our actions and through our words, that it won't be effective. It won't be effective. When we have our prayer meeting we have it in my living room on Sunday nights. And you know what? That alone can make people say, ah, I don't want to go. It's not in a building. You know, do, do, you, do, you, have, do you have a full-fledged, uh, a full, full stage of musicians? And, you know, what, like I said earlier, what's the temperature? What's all this? But you want to know something? When we say, you know, we don't care about all that. Because we know the Lord can come and he can move anywhere he wants to. We can start seeing things happen. 
And if our heart is truly broken for people, broken for the lost, broken for those who, who don't know Jesus, then we should want to pray. And many of us have our own needs that we need prayer about and that we need people praying for us. And that's, that's what our prayer meeting's about. And this church, that's what the prayer is about for this church, to get us to that point that God needs us to be at. But I want to urge everybody to be a part of Sunday nights. If you haven't been, it is turning into just a real powerful session. Tonight, we're going we're gonna to take all of our needs that we have on our board. We're going to be taking those off and individually, individuals, we're going to be taking those and praying over them individually. So you'll go up to the board, take two or three of them off, and then, and then go wherever you want to in the house and just spend some time praying over that. So I encourage you to come, and if you have needs, write them down. If for some reason you can't make it, give us your needs before you leave, and we'll make sure and pray for those. The only way that unlimited church is truly going to be unlimited is when we let God do it and not try to do it ourselves. When we let God. So let our cry be, Lord, lead us to those that are lost. Bring those who are lost in. My family, we gathered around together last night, held hands, and we prayed for the lost and we prayed for those people who need to be in church this morning. God, bring them here. Bring them in. Holy Spirit, convict them. Holy Spirit, let them get up this morning and go, oh, I've got to be at church. I, I just, I don't know, and I've got to go to this church over here. And I'm going to be praying that every Saturday night. God, bring those people in so that they can know more about you. Let us stop saying it's someone else's responsibility. You know, a lot of us, uh, a lot of times we can write on the coattails of somebody else's prayers. Let, let the prayers come from us. Let us be focused. Let each one of us individually be focused on prayer. When we get to heaven, we can talk about all the good things we have done for people. We can talk about how we've encouraged people. But the only thing that's going to matter is what did we do to lead people to Christ? That's the only thing that's going to matter. So are we taking time to talk one-on-one -on -one with God individually? I want us to take time corporately but are we taking time one-on-one -on -one individually with God? When, when you pray, do you cry out to God? Does your heart break for those that are lost? While we have sat here, who knows how many hundreds of people have drove past this church going somewhere but don't know Jesus. I want us to be so powerful. I want our prayers to... To be lifted up to him at this church is so powerful. I've seen it happen. I've talked about this before. I've seen it happen where people will literally drive by, drive by your church and turn around, pull in the parking lot, and say, I don't know what it was, but I had to come in here. And God has changed their life forever. I've seen it happen. I've been in church when it's happened. God is such a good God. He wants, wants that. But we have to be the prayer people that we're supposed to be. And if we are, our prayers will avail much. Bow your heads with me. We're going to pray. Before I go any further, I just want to give you an opportunity. I don't know where everybody's life is with the Lord. And so I don't want to take, uh, I don't want to take any assumptions in hand. But 
if your life, if you say, you know what, I have not committed my life to the Lord like I need to, and I want to this morning, I want to give you an opportunity to step out. And I'm, all I'm going to ask you to do, nobody here is going to judge you. I just want you just to, just to step up here to the front, and, and I just want to pray with you. And if, if, you're, if you're good with God, that's great. But I just want to give you that opportunity. I don't want to walk out of here and not give you that opportunity. God, I just thank you for this group of people that you have brought together. I thank you, Lord, for being a good God, for giving us a place to worship you. But, Lord, even if we don't have this place, if we were have to meet in the middle of a field somewhere this morning, that's, that's what we would do, God. Lord, you, you brought these people here together. Your Holy Spirit brought them here together. Lord, I pray that you'll convict us of our own sins, and then you will break our hearts for the lost. Break our hearts for those who need Jesus. Lord, help us to spend more time praying. Help us to be more like Daniel and take the time out of our day, no matter how busy we are, to stop right where we are at certain times, Lord, and just say, God, I just want to come to you right now. I want to put everything else aside, put everything else out of the way. I just want to come to you right now, God, and just seek you out, seek your face out. God, you're a good God, and here's what I want to talk to you about. And then allow you to talk back to us. Help us to have ears that are open to listen to what you have to say to us, God. Let prayer be so important to us. Let our cry, Lord, be, God, I seek you. I seek you. I will find you if I seek you. I seek you out, God. Let the cry of our heart, Lord, be for those who are lost Lord, as Paul, Lord, and Silas didn't care. Lord, even if they would have gotten locked back up, they stayed there with the jailer and they led him and his whole family to Christ. Because what was most important was that your word was spoken. Thank you, Jesus. Let us be that way. Thank you, Lord. Amen. We're going to take up offering real quick. Real quick, if you've if you've got uh, offering, Mike's going to 